Hello, everybody. I just returned from Bend in central Oregon on the Deschutes River near the Pacific Crest Trail, doing a little research for my upcoming through hike of the PCT. This is Ratatouille, and you're listening to Trailside Radio. this one thing in common and it's we're getting dirty out there we're really you know you can be quite disgusting when you pick someone picks you up for a ride into town you really 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 stink that's hiker trash and it's the great equalizer i'm not just hiking i'm being out there i want to record it some way by writing about it or drawing it or, or having these artistic projects while i'm on the trail there's definitely days where you're like, I'm never doing this again. I mean, and I think everybody has had that experience. You're like, you're, what am I pushing myself so hard for? Why am I suffering so much? And then when you get off the trail, you miss it and you want to go back to that simple life again so badly. People have been asking me about their gear and their schedules, but at the end of the day, I can tell you what shoes to wear, but you know what your feet are. Welcome trailside listeners to episode three. I've got a lot to pack into this episode, so I'm going to get into it pretty quickly here. For those who are new to the podcast, my name is Ratatouille. I'm getting ready to attempt my first through hike of the Pacific Crest Trail, 2,660 miles from Mexico to Canada. I will be doing weekly episodes of this podcast from the trail. In this episode, I decided to take a little look into hiking culture and explore the word hiker trash. Now, this is a word that a lot of long-distance hikers use to describe themselves and use with a certain amount of pride. And I have to admit that I'm a little reluctant to embrace this term and refer to myself as trash of any kind. I thought I would take a little trip and talk with some people who might be able to give me some insight into why this term is so popular. The first person I talked to is Renee Patrick. Her trail name is Shira, and she is one of the owners of a company called Hiker Trash Gear, that make clothing and other items related to hiking culture. Let's jump right in and hear what she had to say. How did the Hiker Trash Gear come about? Right, so I like to think it started with just the way that I was hiking. Because I've put a priority on experiences for most of my life, I don't have much money. So I found to outfit myself for the Pacific Crest Trail, I did things like go to the REI used gear sale and outfit most of my pack for under $80, or most of my gear for under $80. I had hiking poles, which were $0.83. Cents. I had my backpack, which was an old used Gregory G-Pack, which was about $20. Bucks. Um, so I was doing things on, the, on the, the cheap route, and I also started making a lot of my gear, which included you know beer can stoves and wearing trash bags. So on the PCT, my rain gear... Uh, was a trash bag. I had a trash skirt. I covered my backpack with trash bags. It was cheap. I could replace them at any time. Um, so I really, other than other people calling themselves hiker trash, I really felt it was something, it was a lifestyle I was living and it was not um, really anything derogatory. It was just, to me, it's a do-it-yourself kind of way to, to hike a trail. Um, from there... A couple years, about five years ago, I taught myself how to screen print. I just, I've always been designing cool, cool things. And I thought, oh, I'm going to try this out. I went to Goodwill, got an old picture frame, got a shower, an old um, sheer curtain, stapled the curtain on in the frame and tried to, to make my first screen, which was actually a tall bike. My first subject matter were bikes. I love bikes. It didn't really work out, so I ended up buying real screens, um, and so I proceeded to do about 10 different bike designs. I had a unicycle, a tall bike, a tricycle, a cyclocross bike, uh, a cruiser bike, uh, you name it. I had a bunch of different bike designs, so I would go to thrift stores and buy recycled clothing, t-shirts, skirts, dresses, cute things that were cheap, like a dollar each, and then screen print on them, and then sell them in town in Bend. So I would sell at cyclocross races. We had a bunch of 
this is a really uh, popular spot for cyclocross. So, um, and one of my designs for my good friend Lint just happened to be hiker trash. See, he has hiker trash tattooed on his stomach in Old English. So I thought, I love that idea, so I would use um, a similar font and make a hiker trash screen. So for friends, probably about five, six years ago, I was screen printing hiker trash. Um, when Lint hiked through on a second Pacific Crest Trail hike, I, I tagged his pack, hiker trash, and a couple other things he was wearing just for fun. But it was about a year ago where... Um, Brian who, Frankel, who's an, just a friend in town, said, hey, what about, what if we try to sell some of these shirts? What if we see if other people want hiker trash? And I had kind of let the whole screen printing slide when I got the job as the writer for the publishing company. Uh, but I thought, why not? Let's, let's resurrect it. So I, I designed a new logo. Um, we got a bunch of hats and shirts printed and brought them down to the PCT kickoff last April. Uh, we were successful in getting our hats, our trucker hats, on all three long trails last year, which was really cool. Uh, we had uh, just just word of mouth really making things and selling them. Some of the stuff we have someone local make for us, some of the stuff I make. We built a screen printing press. Um, here at my house, and I took that to PCT days last year, and I did screen prints on hikers, through hikers that year, and whatever. I had, I had a leg. I screen printed someone's leg. I screen printed a flag, um, just random stuff, <laughs> and had a lot of fun doing it. So it's really been for me. It's been about. Um, one, having fun with it. One, it's a DIY, it's a do-it-yourself kind of creative outlet. And um, the fact that other people like it and want to wear it is pretty exciting. And I just like designing. So I've we've gone back, I've gone back to the computer and designed a couple new things. I have a, a new, we have a new design coming out soon. Um, it's just, it's fun to, it's fun to play around with different ideas. And I find... Another connection I have with with the company is I get some of my best ideas when I'm outside, when I'm hiking, when I'm spending time in nature. I feel so creative. So I'll go out, we'll go out hiking, and then I come up with another idea. Like, why don't we make... One of the recent things we made was um, wallets made out of trash. So we partnered. There's a local woman in town that takes recycled plastic bags and makes... Um, different things out of them. So we're working with Cerebella Upcycled to make trash for trash. Their little bag or their little wallets made out of of trash bags. So um, yeah, I'm just having fun with it. You have some of these products are available online. Yeah, our website www.wearehikertrash.com has um, our store. We have stickers. We have hats. We have shirts. We have silly pints. Um, yes. And we're constantly coming out with different things. Granted, while I'm on the CDT this year, Brian will be manning the, the um, website and the inventory. And um, hopefully I'll get some new products out before I leave for the hike. And then when I get back, I'll have a lot of new ideas for th fun things to do. Excellent. Now, do you keep a blog when you're out hiking? I do. I have a, a blog called Shira Hikes wordpress.com um, I've always written on my long trails even the Appalachian Trail I kept a daily journal that is the only one that's not public the rest of my six hikes are on trail journals if you look under Shira um, because I, I just love writing so much it's always been part of what I've done so keeping a blog on this trail isn't going to be anything new uh, I find going back and reading some of the stuff that I've written on, say, the West Highland Way hike in 2004, I'm really grateful that I had those uh, that time to write down my thoughts and feelings about that day and the people I met and the scenery I hiked through because it all kind of blurs after a few years. And then you do another hike and another hike and you can't quite remember what Bear Mountain in on the Appalachian Trail looked like. Well, because there were several, but so it helps keep the thoughts and ideas fresh. And uh, this year, I'll be using a lot of technology for for my blog. I bought a 
Bluetooth keyboard. It's a Zag Pocket uh, device, and it's fairly light. I don't know the ounces, but it'll hook up to my Galaxy phone, and I'll be able to type right into my WordPress app, which I can access offline. I can upload photos. I'm using my camera as my, uh, my phone as my camera, which on the Appalachian Trail I use disposable cameras, those point-and-shoot cardboard things, and the quality was terrible. So this year um, I'm pretty excited that I'll get decent pictures with just my phone. Yeah, so I'll be uploading... I hope to also disconnect and not have to try to connect every day. I want to, I've been living the very connected life, especially because my job has been managing social media accounts. I'm really looking forward to unplugging for a while, but I still want to post. I love Instagram. I've been Instagramming a ton on We Are Hiker Trash on Instagram. It's a, that's a fun thing to do, but I, I want to temper it with, some silence out there. Well, that'll be, that'll happen whether you choose it or not right. on the CDT, right? <laughs> right. There's going to be large gaps of no service, from what I understand. Right. I, uh, I'm using Verizon, which I hear has the best service out there, but there are still places where you don't, you can't get it. Even though I'm surprised, I was following journals on all three long trails last year, and it seemed like the CDT hikers found a way to post or maybe I would, they were just spread out enough that I was... Well, with the WordPress WordPress app, it's really easy to post-date something. So you can upload it when you have signal, and it won't actually become public until the day of your choosing. It might might be one way that people are doing that. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah, so it's kind of exciting to do this trip with a whole nother realm of possibility with technology. I'm also taking a GoPro um, I love media. I was a multimedia uh, major in college and was messing around with this kind of stuff before practically the same time I started using the internet. That's <laughs> dating myself a little bit. But um, I'm looking forward to making some short films maybe or just having fun with all this material when I get back. Um, again, like getting creative with what I love most. So it's as much about the creative process of doing all of that as it is necessarily about staying in touch. Or Right. I think it's all, it's all kind of one. It's hard for me to separate because um, it's all a part of why I'm out there. It's for the personal development, the professional side. It's come out of the personal interests, and it's all a passion. So it's really, it's, it is, it's all connected. What can I say? Right on. Do you have any advice for people like me who are just making the leap into the through hiking world? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid of, of going cheap. You know, there's lots of, of websites out there to make your own gear. To There's, you know, gear hacks. You do not have to spend three, $4,000 on an ultralight setup for your first hike. I would recommend, like, going to thrift stores, going to, you know, steep and cheap or the climb. Um, basically get out there and make sure you like it um, before you don't have to really change your life or go broke to, to figure that out. Um, and be careful listening to advice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's some valuable advice. Oh, there's a lot of people out there with, with opinions, and but everyone is different. My, I've used a different backpack on every trail, a different sleeping bag, different stoves. Everything can work. I always refer, like to think about Grandma Gatewood hiking the Appalachian Trail in her 60s and basically cut shoes in a canvas duffel bag. If you have the desire to do it, you will make whatever gear you have work. And maybe the sleeping bag is heavier than what you could have, but... You know, if your body can do it, if it can handle the pack, whatever you have, um, I would say don't let that be a barrier, thinking that you can figure it out on the trail. A lot of us do, you know, I think I'm going to say it, but I'm going to bring up wild. But um, one thing that I think was a good message, yes, she was unprepared, but she figured it out. She figured out how to do what she set out to do. 
Um, yes, her pack was heavy and uncomfortable, but so was mine. I started with a 45-pound pack on the Appalachian Trail. It was a 7-pound low-alpine Sirocco. It was huge. You could fit a small child in it. It was unnecessarily large, but that wasn't, you know, that didn't deter me from hiking and finishing the trail. So I would say listen to advice with a grain of salt, but just get out there and do it and you'll figure it out. And the thing about a long trail is you'll have five, six months and you can change a lot of things when you're hiking. So the first, actually on the PCT, I got horrible blisters the first day. I ended up going into LA day two and buying a new pair of shoes you know, and especially with all the technology available on on the trail, you can or, be ordering from Amazon and sending to the next trail town if you really want to. So I think a lot of it will shake out while you're hiking. Are there any particular trails that you haven't done that you hope to in the future? Uh, all of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope to be hiking for till I can't walk anymore. Um, and even then, there's a guy out there, Wheelchair Bob, who gets on the trails in his wheelchair. Um, I'm really attracted to the choose-your-own-adventure type of trails now. Um, Kirk and I, my boyfriend, we do a lot of weekend warrioring where we just look at a map and, and pick out a spot that looks cool, whether it's on a trail or off a trail. Um, we'll either pack in our boats or just go scout it. And it's really about the exploration, I think. Uh, and so we'll probably be making up some of our own routes in the, in the near future. So I'm still getting used to the idea of the word hiker trash. Why would I want to be called trash? <laughs> so the million dollar question, can you talk me into embracing the word hiker trash? Uh, I think it will be easier after you've been on the trail for a month to talk to you about the title Hiker Trash, but um, I have a pretty positive view on it, and it's, it's in the little things, the little, the little lifestyle changes that you make. You'll start bathing yourself in fast food restaurant bathrooms, you'll... Um, exit a grocery store and explode your pack and there's a ton of plastic bags as you repackage everything. You'll be washing out your socks in the sink of your hotel room. And it's it's these little things that you wouldn't normally think that you would do. And it's it's probably in some places not very respectful to go outside of a of a grocery store and and just explode everywhere. Um but it's it's kind of a term of endearment to me at least it's it's a it's an homage to the way of life of a long distance backpacker you will be doing things you never thought you would be doing and having um really silly crazy experiences and it's kind of our cry of you know we're dirty and we like it and there can be some, some negative connotations to it, um, hikers. And I think in any community you have, there's folks that maybe don't add to, add to the, the positive uh, culture. But overall, I would say on the seven long-distance hikes I've had, those are, folks are by far in the minority. And hiker trash um, is much more a term of endearment, uh, the oldest man I met on the Appalachian Trail was 83 and he was hiking. I've met CEOs of companies. I've met high schoolers. I've met retirees. And all of us have this one thing in common, and it's we're getting dirty out there. We're really, you know, you can be quite disgusting when you pick someone picks you up for a ride into town. You really, really, really stink. That's hiker trash. And it's the great equalizer. Now, at this point, I thought I might be getting a little closer to the true meaning of the word hiker trash. The next person I talked to is Colby Kirk, trail named Condor. A few years ago, he hiked a large section of the Pacific Crest Trail, and we talked about that as well as some of his other wilderness projects that he's been involved with. Well, let's give that a listen. I learned about the PCT by doing hiking around Southern California and into the Sierra, in fact. I, I heard about the PCT. Uh, 
I had projects that I did starting in 2009 that got me on the trail a lot. You know, I did a 100 hikes project in 2009. Uh, I did a 500 mile goal in 2010. And when 2011 rolled around, it was supposed to be Whitney, uh, but I got laid off from my job. So I thought this was the perfect opportunity for me to do the PCT. So by the time I got laid off from my job to actually being at the Southern Terminus was about 30 days. That's how much I planned for my hike. And my main intention was to go as far as I could. Uh, I felt like I was ready. I mean, I had a lot of stuff. Uh, people, I would get the looks, you know, like, wow, you got a, you got a heavy bag. I carried a Gregory 65, I think, or maybe a 60 liter. So it was a big bag, but I'm a big guy. I'm over, I, when I started the trail, I was 340 pounds. And, but I had been doing so much hiking and backpacking that I had really strong legs. So my, my immersion into the world of the PCT was uh, quick and fast. And I was thinking on my feet for a lot of the first hundreds of miles. Uh, but I, I am so glad that I did it. Even, even though I didn't finish it, I have no regrets. You know, I spent from May 1st to October 6th hiking the PCT. When you, when you first went down there, you didn't even have a plan to hike on the PCT? Well, no, I signed up to be a guest at kickoff uh, sometime in March. And I was really excited to plan and talk to other hikers for 2012. But between signing up to go to kickoff as a guest and deciding to hike the PCT, I got laid off. So I had a month to plan. I had guidebooks in the mail when I got laid off. So they were being delivered to my old employer. I had friends give it to me. So I was just in the process of figuring out what the PCT was about. And the moment I got laid off, I was the happiest guy there. There was like 10% of the company was being laid off and I was all smiles. Like I knew that now I'm going to hike the PCT. I've got the time, I've got the energy, and now I've got, thanks to my ex-employee, I've got some money. (laughs) So... Um, on May 1st, I was on the PCT, hiking northbound. You're a artist of many talents, and well, thank you, you found a few different ways to incorporate that with your love of nature, um, one of which is your journals. Yeah, I'm a uh, big-time journaler. I enjoyed writing uh, about my hikes and my journeys beforehand. I, I wouldn't travel or hike without a journal in my pocket. Uh, since, I don't know, since I started traveling in 2001. So it just seemed appropriate. I didn't even consider not carrying a journal. So I bought five and, you know, I'd have a friend at home that would mail me one when I was near finishing one of them. And uh, I ended up filling about four of them, over 800 pages of, of drawings and writing and stickers and stamps and flat items, I call them, and uh, came home with, uh, that was what I cherished the most about my hike, the fact that I took time to write a lot of it down, because I know I'll forget a lot about the trail. I know I I already am, you know, I can't remember places on the trail. Uh, I know where they are at a map. (laughs) Sometimes I would know the mileage, but not the name of the town. You know, it's just strange things that you learn as a thru-hiker, like, or as a long-distance hiker on the PCT, you'll you'll see a picture of the PCT and like, oh yeah, that's around this mile or something. It's just such a bizarre thing to to remember the trail so well. Uh, despite that, I knew writing down these experiences of the you know my emotions, the pain, uh, maybe the weather or or who I'm hiking with was very important to me. Uh, so yeah, journaling was a big aspect of of the hike, which slowed me down. You can't hike and write at the same time. So that's one of the reasons why I decided not to be a thru-hiker. I, I, about 500 miles in, I really enjoyed my pace, and it was a big snow year in 2011, and I really wasn't looking forward to getting in the Sierra when I'm hearing of hikers going hundreds of miles without seeing the trail. So I'm like, I'm just going to slow it down and have fun hiking. You know, I'm 
my, my intention is to be on the trail, not get somewhere on the trail. And uh, I'm glad I did. Now, you've had some other adventures that take that a step further, I would say, as far as not focusing on covering a certain number of miles or through hiking a particular trail, but you've come up with some different ideas for ways that you've gone out to enjoy nature in, yeah, in a more unique way. Yeah, I would. I started getting in. I mean, I hiked as a kid, thanks to my parents, and I was I'm very comfortable in the woods. I always have, and I've done weekend warrior stuff and some multi-day backpacking trips, but I really wasn't into it. I just enjoyed doing it from time to time. Um, it's the difference between going to Disneyland, you know, once or twice a year to getting an annual pass. Well, I got an annual pass with hiking in 2011, <laughs> or excuse me, 2009. I uh, came up with an idea of, I, I just got sick of going to work and coming home and going to sleep and waking up and going to work and just repeating that. I, I wanted to get in shape. I, I wanted to enjoy more of the outdoors. So I came up with a project called the 100 Hikes Project. And it was more personal than anything, but I felt like I needed to publish it online in order to have that fear of embarrassment. Because <laughs> there's one thing to say, you know, on January 1st, and I'm going to lose weight. And it's a you're in personal, your personal goal. And when it doesn't happen, you know, people aren't going to question it because they may have not known about it or forgot about it. I wanted people to know about this project because I want people to get on me or I was, you know, I didn't want people to uh, say, Oh, you know what happened to the hundred ice project? Oh, I wasn't able to do it. I just had that peer pressure I wanted to, in order to complete it. And I did. I, um, I started it on Cinco de Mayo in 2009 and I finished uh, New Year's Eve, Eve, uh, 2009 so 240 days 100 hikes so essentially one hike every 36 hours mm -hmm. for the entire year or for most of 2009 and it I did over 400 miles of hiking which was incredible at the time that I was able to hike that many miles and I just fell in love with hiking so in 2010 I had a different goal and I was able to complete that 2011 was supposed to be to get to the top of Mount Whitney. And uh, I was, we were, went through the process of trying to get a permit, and we were in training for most of the beginning of 2011. And we, we had our doubts about getting a permit because so many people apply. And uh, it got to the point where it's, well, we're not going to get it because we've talked to so many people that said that they sent in their application and it got denied for the dates. So we were kind of expecting to get a letter in the mail saying, sorry, Charlie, you're not going. It was that week that I got laid off from my job. And I had heard enough about the PCT through my other hiking uh, projects that I really wanted to do it, and I was gung-ho for it. Uh, but the, really, the moment on the trail that meant so much to me was when I reached Mount Whitney from Mexican border. I really kept on saying to myself and I put up the video online I'm practically in tears because it's something that I did you know I was worried about doing Mount Whitney you know doing the training and here I was hiking I don't know what it is 700 miles to get to the top rather than you know the 15 mile route that most people do that I was planning on doing and here I was it's like no one could take that from me I did it you know no matter how my memory works or, or what I remember about it, I did it. And it meant a lot to me at the time. And I realized that I've, if I had any goal at all, it was to do that. And I just accomplished it. So I moved my goal up the trail. You know, I was like, okay, now I'm just going to hike to hike, you know, see how far I can get. So I came up with something at kickoff in 2012 to define it. So it's not a section hiker, you're not a through hiker, you're Billy Goating the trail. It's named after Billy Goat, who loves to live on the trail. I mean, he spends most of his summers hiking the PCT wherever he wants. He's not trying to get the whole trail done, and neither can he say he's a section hiker. Uh, he's just on the trail and loving it, and that was me in 2011. How far are you hiking this year? 
Oh, I don't know yet. I'm just Billy Goaten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I tried to get it to catch on. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't heard anybody use it, but it, it seems to me the perfect way to define that type of hiker. And most people don't start off thinking that way. You need to have those goals. And it, even I had goals, but they weren't Canada. Canada was never on my mind after after the Sierra. It's like... I know I'm not going to get there. It would be nice, but nah. I think there are a lot of people that when they realize that they're not going to make it, they give up and get off the trail. And I, I, didn't, I don't understand that. Um, I mean, what other trail do you hike that when you don't reach your goal, you just stop hiking? It's like, well, I'm not going to make it 10 miles today, but you know, maybe I'll make it seven. You always That's usually how I think when I'm on a trail. And why not... Have that for a long-distance trail. I think the other important aspect is not only having that long-distance goal, is you need to bring, you need to have smaller goals too. It's important to just forget about it, to to concentrate on the day or the week, because most people, when they finish their first day or week, they're sore, they got blisters, they're using muscles that they usually don't, and, and to their limits. And they start extrapolating that for the entire trail. They're like, if it's going to be like this this week, I don't want to do this. That's not the case at all. Every mile, every step you take, you're getting stronger. And you're getting more used to the lifestyle. And I think a lot of uh, beginner thru-hikers, those that haven't done a long trail, uh, have a hard time realizing that. Now, I'm really intrigued by what you're doing this year. Can you tell me about your project? For this sure. Year? Yeah, it's uh, called the Wilds Project, and I wanted to work on a project that kind of would allow me to work full time, which I'm doing, and I would be able to do it on the weekends throughout the year. Sometimes, of course, taking vacations to do uh, bigger pieces of this project. In a sentence, it's to hike all of the wilderness areas of Oregon by the end of the year. There's actually only 47 wilderness areas that are officially recognized uh, as wilderness areas. But of those, two of them are not accessible to humans. They're islands off the coast, and they're for bird sanctuaries and migration patterns. So I've put together five proposed wildernesses, which have been proposed that could eventually become wilderness areas. And they're spread, all 50 of these are spread out on all edges of Oregon and PCT goes through a lot of these wilderness areas. So my intention is to hike all 50 of them and do 450 miles in that process of doing them. Are you documenting this in some fashion? I am. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm becoming known for doing that. I like incorporating art in my projects for my first 2009 hundred hikes. I held up a, a little card that had the number on it. And so I took a selfie with the card. So at the end of the project, I had 100 pictures of of my mug carrying this card in different areas of three three different states and three different countries. I wanted to do it a little differently, more creative. So the next time I did the 100 Hikes project, which was in 2012-13, I made the number on the trail using natural like sticks or rocks or something that I found while hiking. Uh, and took a picture of it. So at the end of that project, I've got a nice collage of all the different numbers from uh, different areas of Oregon and California, and, and uh, including a lot of places on the PCT. So for this project, the, the Wilds Project, I've, I've had for a while this set of 100-year-old dominoes that look really interesting to me as an artist. They, they just have this great quality to them. They're they're, they're, they're wooden and they're carved, so they've got a nice uh, texture to them and a color. You've been sitting out in the sun or something. And so for every wilderness I do, I take a picture of the uh, domino in the scenery. So it's kind of like this obelisk sitting there, you know, with flowers or mushrooms or something around it and the forest behind it. So it's been really fun concentrating on where I'm going to make it, which gets me to concentrate on the trail and what I'm seeing as a naturalist. I love that. 
my girlfriend's the first to say that I like to make it hard on myself. <laughs> I tend to agree because sometimes I'll spend like 30 minutes like, okay, I found it. Now it's time to set up. I recently rewatched the movie Mile, Mile and a Half, which is a great documentary about the John Muir Trail. It is, and, isn't it? It's great. And uh, noticed your name in the credits oh, as yeah. the the illustrator. How did you get involved with that movie? That was great. Yeah, those those are really nice guys. I, I feel honored to be a part of what's called the Muir Project, which is uh, the these artists that have come together to create this documentary. So. Um, Rick and Jen and Jason and Duran, there's quite a few of them, uh, but they're, they're just artists in, in their hearts. And they wanted to do more than just hike the John Muir Trail. And so they carried all this gear out there. And my projects are the same. You know, like, I'm not just hiking, I'm being out there. I want to record it some way by, by writing about it or drawing it or, or having these artistic projects while I'm on the trail. So I, I fell in love with these guys when I heard about them. And funny enough, I, I ran into them briefly on the trail, you know, they, as they were passing. It was just kind of a hello, it's heard about your project, it's great. So when I got off the trail, uh, they got off the trail first, and they, had this, they put together this really wonderful little trailer for their project, and I commented on it. So we kind of had that connection. And then when I put together my time-lapse video and then published some screen or some uh, scans of my journals uh they contacted me and said hey we'd love to have your artwork in our movie um you want to help out i'm like well yeah sure can't believe it this is great so i did the um title cards throughout the throughout the documentary uh using watercolor pen and ink on a special journal that they sent me so they sent me this blank book which is a really cool book not one i would carry on the trail because it's more of this tome uh but it had a great texture to it and i got some scans of jen's journal jen serena uh kept the journal while she was hiking the jmt so i was able to use some of her actual verbiage in these layouts and they creatively recorded them and added them into the film I really appreciated hearing about your your hiking philosophy, and you touched on a little bit, but just about how you encourage other people to seek their own way to get out and enjoy nature. Yeah. You, you want to talk a little more about that? The first and foremost is I love getting people outside and introducing them to nature in some way. And it's either through my journals or my artwork or my videos or something. I want to help people understand that anyone can go hiking. I mean, I'm a big guy. I've always been a big guy, but there I am out on the trail. So there, there aren't very many excuses that you can give me. I'm like, Oh, I'm out of shape. I'm overweight. Like, yeah. So what? (laughs) I, I think there's a lot of unnecessary or irrational fears about going down the woods, uh, bears, rattlesnakes, mountain lions. Um, I haven't seen a mountain lion. I'd love to see a mountain lion. I keep on looking. I know they've seen me, but it's just these fears that I'd like to be able to get people out there and go, hey, this isn't isn't so bad. Because that's really all it is, is you're walking on dirt. And there's so much you can see, you know. And by getting out there, you learn to appreciate the nature. And so when they're back at home and when it becomes election time, you want to be able to concentrate on, like, no, I, I really don't want to have that area destroyed and new houses put in. I think it's a great place. You know, so you need to have that appreciation for the wilderness in order to protect it. So getting out there helps you gain that appreciation, I think. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the word hiker trash. Hiker trash. Sure. I love the term hiker trash. I used to use the term trail trash because it's closer to the trailer trash. But I think people were a little more confused by that because I think I'm saying trailer trash. So, no, I love the term. I think it's great because, you know, I've been there. I've, I've gone two weeks without changing my clothes, like all of my clothes, underwear, socks, everything not changed. You just feel comfortable in that filth. <laughs> and in 2011, when you're hiking, the you know, especially in the Sierra, it was such a big snow year that you'd have to go through these creeks that are above your your waist. And it's dangerous, it's treacherous, but when I'm doing it, I'm like, 
oh, great. Now I've got my shower in for the week. <laughs> Cleaning that underwear. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I know that some people, uh, I know that you've told me that you're still trying to grasp that term and, and see it as kind of a positive term. I think there will become a day where you're like, oh, yeah. I am trail trash and I'm proud of it or, or hiker trash. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it's just that it's a lifestyle. It's, it's more than just thinking about, you know, being in your dirt and filth and, and having blisters and sunburn and whatever. It's that fact that you're doing such a grand thing that you're spending so much time outside and you're hiking so many miles or not. But you're out there. You're in the wild. So I think that, for me, is how I define it. It's like, if you're hiker trash, you are not caring what you look like or how you smell because you're doing something. You're out there. You're enjoying life the way that you see it. And screw everybody else, what they think or what they smell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're out there doing it. And uh, you're out there. You're hiker trash. <laughs> this being my first attempt at investigative journalism, if I can call it that, I decided that my research into the word hiker trash would not be complete until I interviewed the person who wrote the book on the subject, Hiker Trash, Life on the Pacific Crest Trail. I sat down with the author, Erin Miller, and her husband, Carl, and we discussed their adventures together on the PCT, upon which the book is based. I'm here with Aaron and Carl Miller, also known as Hummingbird and Bear Claw. Aaron is the author of Hiker Trash, Life on the Pacific Crest Trail, which is a book about their through-hike that they did together uh, in 2013. First of all, what inspired the two of you to hike the PCT? I'm going to let Carl take this one away. <laughs> okay, well trying to make the story too long, but we decided to leave uh, what we felt was not a good living situation in North Idaho and travel, do things we've always wanted to do, which in this case was travel uh, Southeast Asia uh, via backpack. Um, and we'd, we'd spent, um, you know, five months just exploring all of Asia, flew into Bangkok, uh, just explored around, just absolutely loved it. And after we, uh, after we traveled for a while, we started having to think about what we were going to do when we got back. And that just became kind of the overlying uh, concern. And um, it just occurred to me that, you know, there's, there's very few times in your life that you have no obligations. And one of the things I'd always wanted to do was hike from uh, the entire Pacific Crest Trail, you know, from Mexico to Canada. So it just occurred to me that that was the, the moment. So I, Aaron and I were discussing over coffee on this this small street in uh, Thailand about what we should what we should do when we get back and I was like what do you think about hiking the Pacific Crest Trail she's like the you talking about the entire trail I'm like yeah you know the through hike the entire thing it takes us like all summer long or you know like five six months and she looked at me kind of kind of confused and went are you serious I'm like yeah yeah let's do it I'm like <laughs> really your your game she's like heck yeah let's do it I'm like okay. All right, we're doing it. So we just started making plans. And you had very little time to prepare for the thru-hike, is that correct? <clears throat> we wound up being right at two months, and we did it all from Asia. So Carl and I decided to divide all of what we would need to do. And Carl's really good at tech, so he took you know gear, maps, logistics, and I took the scheduling and food. And we would just spend a couple hours every day working through those things. And it worked out. Yeah, we were traveling with laptops. So we basically would just find little coffee shops that had Wi-Fi. And I would just start hitting blogs and everything I could find about what gear. We, you know, we had backpacking experience. We backpacked probably, I don't know, 30 times in the past 10 years. But, um, but nothing more than about five, five to seven days was our longest ever. Um, so just it was a different animal. And that's when we realized, you know, the gear we had was going to be um, just insufficient. It was just going to be too heavy, and there's just so many things we had to learn before we could take on this. What inspired you to write the book? I have wanted to be a writer since I was in kindergarten. 
I was the girl in school that would sit in the corner and write these crazy little stories and then, you know, read them to my friends. And it's just one of those things that every time I sat down to write something, my mind would go blank. And so when we got off the trail, you know, everybody suffers from hiker blues and they have their own way of dealing with it. And my mom said to me, why don't you write a book? And I said, nobody wants to read a book about somebody that didn't finish the trail. But it was really a cathartic experience to just sit down and be able to relive the trail again and to kind of come to terms with my own feelings and thoughts about how it had all turned out. And the next thing I knew, I had a book. As you said, you didn't finish the trail. You did make it most of the way. How many miles was it? 2,283.13. But who's counting? No, not me. Um, And it was the snow that year. This is 2013 that you did this, where there was early snow in Washington. The moment we crossed the Bridge of the Gods, it started to rain, and it rained for five days straight. Yeah, that's into Washington. Yeah. And when we, we got off to dry out in Trout Lake, which was unscheduled, And we knew that the weather report said snow was moving in, but we thought, well, we'll just make it to the next pass and see what happened. But it moved in a lot faster than they thought it would. And about a day and a half out of White Pass, it snow was coming down. We had been told there was almost two feet of snow at the base of Old Snowy. And we, you know, you need to go up and over. And by the time we got there, it was was a storm. And it came, basically it came down to the fact that we were soaking wet and cold and borderline hypothermic. And Krav, one of the guys we were hiking with, said to Carl and I, I'll do whatever you guys do. And it's really hard at that point when it's not just your life, you know, to put somebody else in danger. So the three of us hiked off thinking, well, we'll get back on when the snow passes and it never let up. 14 feet in three days. Well, it was a, it was the remnants of a typhoon and it was, you know, it was a major storm. We had people that, you know, had seen the weather forecast and we, um, the hunters that we passed, you know, a couple on the way up to Goat Rocks and, uh, they basically said, you guys, there's a big storm coming. You need to turn around. You need to, you need to get off the mountain. And we kept, you know, every time we'd even contemplate that with them, oh, maybe we're going to like, no, no, you need to get off the mountain. It's, it's a major storm. Um, and when we actually decided, made that decision and we were all, you know, shivering and wet and made it down to a, a parking area. Um, and that was just by sheer luck because we, uh, we, we, we didn't know which way to get down. The trails go everywhere um, to get down off of uh, Goat Rocks. And um, we just followed some dog tracks that happened to, you know, they were, they were all over the place. But we assumed it was not a coyote. It was a, a dog that we'd seen a couple hours earlier made it the parking lot. And a gentleman that just happened to be in his van with the door open, um, he was just about to leave. Uh, we asked if he'd give us a ride. Um, he used to work for FEMA, and he was up there camping. He'd been there for uh, 30 days, uh, just camping in the mountains with his dog. Um, turns out that um, you know he was notified that a major storm was coming in, and, and he had to break camp and leave a lot of his gear because it was going to be such a major major you know snowstorm so i think we made the right decision at least leaving at that point we really didn't think we would uh that would be it we honestly thought we would get back on the trail in a few days mm-hmm. i think there were there was about 150 of us in you know the next three towns that were sitting there waiting waiting for a break hoping we could get back on and of our group, I think 12 of us got off the trail and six decided to continue. And they made it something like 69 miles in six days, post-holing, before three of them got off. And then two guys, they actually finished. It took them 43 days to finish the trail. Yeah, with road walks. And, uh, and they had to gear up. They had to spend a lot of money on winter gear, which we didn't, you know, we didn't really, we had already spent a lot of our money, so we didn't really have much left. Um, and honestly, if we would have started earlier, we didn't. We had to start when our return ticket was. That was part of the whole issue when we started. We didn't start till May 10th, mm-hmm. which is a late start. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have a choice. We tried to move our ticket up uh, a month ahead of time, and then moving the ticket ahead was going to cost as much as the tickets cost initially. So we're like, all right, well, we're not going to be able to come back a month early. We just have to deal with when we're coming back, throw it together, and then head Hope down. For the Hope for the best. And you know, and, that, and a lot of people would say, oh yeah, you know, you hit winter because you started late, which is true. But we really, normally, a normal year, we would have had plenty of time. 
just didn't didn't work out that way. Now, I'm fascinated with the fact that the two of you hiked the trail together. Heard it said time and time again that through hiking can you know make or break a relationship. What would you say are the keys to your success of hiking together as a couple? Well, I would say we're both. Um, I mean, we both love adventure. We're both very supportive um, of each other, so that's important. I mean, um, you've got to be, you know, very understanding with the person you're hiking with, and and you know, know their limits. And uh, I, that was that was a big part of uh, our ability just to keep going. We we became closer on the trail. Honestly, we we just kind of learned who we were, uh, pushing through the daily grind of of you know soreness and aches and pains and uh and we were already we were very close before the trail but that the trail actually brought us a lot closer you had done a lot of traveling together in the past do you think that helped as well um yeah i think so because we we already know what it's like to you know to figure out best the best way to do things and and just the best way to um you know plan what we're going to do and that that made a big difference um so I think I'd agree with that. I also think it really it really does help if the person that's having the better day helps the person that's having a less a less good day, even if it's if it's just encouragement or you know if it's all cook dinner tonight or let me help set up the tent, just to be able to have that dynamic where you can be like, you know what, I'm feeling stronger today. So I'm going to take up a little bit of the slack and help out a little bit more. And it, it really did help that Carl and I never seemed to both be having a bad day on the same day. So we we definitely had that, right. that going for us. And we wanted to finish too. I mean, there are people that might go out and it's like, oh, we're going on this backpack trip together and we're going to wander across the country and it's going to be all, you know, happy-go-lucky the entire time, which is just not realistic. I mean, you know, and I think we had that. We We knew that it was going to be you know, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be suffering. There's going to be joy. There's going to be pain. We expected all that. And, um, that's, I think a big part of, um, why I think when we were going together, we didn't, you know, we, we didn't have expectations that weren't uh, unrealistic, I don't think. And I think sometimes people might, you know, do a, a big endeavor like that. And, and, and those expectations aren't met and they get very frustrated and maybe short with each other. I don't know, but, um, it wasn't the case with us. You, the two of you weren't hiking just with the two of you the whole time. You had other hiking partners for at least part of the way. Is that right? Not even on purpose. Early into the game, we met another great couple who we hiked with for 500 miles. They had to get off the trail because of health issues. And we just we picked people up yeah, along was... the way that just stuck with us and... They're people we talk to every week still. Yeah. Dusty and Trenchstar were our kind of what you refer to as trail family, which um, I guess it's one of those things that because you're pushing yourself so hard on a regular basis and those people are with you doing that, you become so close to everybody that kind of hikes with you. And it's interesting. There are people out there on the trail that kind of do the solo thing and they really stay the solo thing. Um, of course, we're a couple, so maybe that was different. Maybe people felt more comfortable, but we, we kept picking up. Um, what we call trail family more and more frequently. We had like a group of, you know, a dozen people that we would see in and, in and out. You know, sometimes they'd hike with us for a few days. Sometimes they'd stick with us the entire time. And other times, you know, they'd uh, we'd just see them every every week on occasion. We hiked with Bearcat. Well, we hiked with Krav basically out of Yosemite all the way to the end. Bearcat joined us in Cascade. No, sorry. North Costella. County? Yeah. And... The four of us were basically inseparable. Um, our friend Bunny Slayer section hiked. He came and section hiked for 30 days with us. Often we'd meet people and later on they'd see us and say, can we can we hike with you? We, we want to, we really like hiking with you guys. Is that okay? Your pace is really good. And that sometimes it's all about pace. It's like you, you wouldn't, you'd be surprised how, how much a, you know, a three mile an hour or a two and a half mile an hour pace will make as far as who you get to hike with because... You know, sometimes people just you can't really adjust that. It is what it is. So, if you were to do the whole trail again, would you do anything differently? I would. <laughs> well, it's hard. 
is that that there's nothing about our 2013 hike that I would change mm-hmm. because it was what it was, and we know amazing people because of it. I think we'd start earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By a good three weeks. That would be it. It would be starting earlier, and it would be taking more trail zeros, mm-hmm. um, where you're actually taking a zero out someplace beautiful, and your agenda is to relax and maybe just take some pictures, read a book, just. Even if a book is heavy, if you just have it for a short time, but just to be able to do that, there are so many places that we walked by that I really wanted to stay at, and we just didn't have the didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. I would pack lighter food. No, no, no. We're carrying as much food as we possibly can carry. I lost a lot of weight on the trail. I, I lost. I started out the trail at a, um, about two hundred and five pounds. I finished the trail at one sixty, mm-hmm. and that's just from eating as many calories as I could eat. I ate um, enough Snickers that I maintained pretty mm-hmm. pretty well. Well, I think that might be a <laughs> physiology thing. Everybody's different. As far as, I, I've met mm-hmm. quite a people who have had the same experience as I did, and some people, it doesn't affect them like that at all. They stay, they might get a little leaner, and that's it. From what I understand, men tend to have more trouble keeping weight on on the trail. Right. There's a lot more men whose hikes will end because they've lost too simply lost too much weight yeah you actually at the end of the trail i was getting i was starting to get weaker where i there's a point when i felt really strong and once we got into you know i guess probably around honestly oregon once we crossed in oregon and finally got out of california um had lost so much weight i just started having you know issues with having enough energy to just to push on we would have made it but it would have been you know so talk to me about the word hiker trash (laughs) I'm still trying to come to terms with the notion of, you know, being referred to as any kind of trash. But um, what, what does that word mean to you? Before we started, well, the very first time I ever heard anyone use the phrase hiker trash was our good friend Monkey Wrench, who is a retired lawyer, very successful, has his own law firm, and he loved referring to himself as hiker trash. And I felt the same way. Why would anyone want to be referred to as trash? And I I just assumed that it was a novelty for him. But the farther we hiked, the more I realized I was hiker trash. And it doesn't really matter how you look at the word. You know, we're filthy. We get mistaken for homeless people at in every town you go to. Homeless people actually look a lot better than we do uh, in most cases. And, and you it brings you down to a different level. Um, I had heard of the term hike trash when I was doing research for the trail, just reading different blogs. And I, and I just, I was like, hike trash? What? Why why would people, and people seem to say it in statements, you know, uh, that they were kind of proud of that moniker, you know? And so um, when we're on the trail, the, the, the you know, I guess because you're you're kind of, knock down to your essence when you're on the trail after a while you, you all these things that you take for uh, that you think are important just become unimportant i mean you know cleanliness and and what you're wearing and you know the things you own everything becomes pointless it's 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 not you realize that you know all that stuff is so frivolous and when you when you walk into a town all you really want is you know some food and, and maybe a little bit of rest and you know you know and when you see people that are, uh, you know, looking at you and maybe laughing or pointing, you 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 know, you totally embrace that that hiker trash name. I mean, because that's what you feel like. But it's not. It's not at that point. You're like you have this like secret knowledge that you know what it is to be kind of at your bare essence, and you're happy with that. It, it's a kind of a uh, a pride thing. Whereas other people, I don't know, they don't they don't get it until you do it, and then once you do, you'll know. Well, that and I started to look at all of these people that were really proud of being hiker trash and who they really were. And these are people, well-educated people, people from every different race, every different background, people from cities. It didn't matter. But what they had in common was just determination to accomplish a goal, a respect and love for nature that you don't find anywhere else and I thought you know maybe hiker trash isn't really a bad thing because these are people that I respect and I admire and why would I not want to be like them yeah if other people call themselves hiker trash and we really respect who they are then count us in you know Mm -hmm. I want to be that (laughs) (laughs) 
some of my best friends and heroes are hiker trash. I'm, I'm, I'm working on coming to terms with the word. <laughs> exactly. Um, the two of you have any plans for more through hiking in your future or think that's something that might happen? We do. We do. Uh, this summer, Bearcat is hopefully flying back from Israel the last week in July and Krog's going to try and take the time off and we're going to finish the final 300 miles of trail that we have on the PCT. And I'm very excited to actually just see those pillars. Stand. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> And um, then this winter, we're hoping to go and hike the 1,800-mile Te Araroa in New Zealand. Yeah, from one end of New Zealand to the other. It just, it, it'd be amazing. And eventually, honestly, it's funny, when you're doing the through hikes, uh, we did the PCT, we, I know, there's definitely days where you're like, I'm never doing this again. I mean, and I think everybody has had that experience. You're like, you're, what am I pushing myself so hard for? Why am I suffering so much? And then when you get off the trail, you miss it and you want to go back to that simple life again so badly um but yeah so we even though once i said i would never do it we would like to do the continental divide we'd like to do the appalachian trail like to do a triple be a triple crowner and then we also want to go do the the new zealand long trail Mm -hmm. it's in our blood can't Mm -hmm. stop now Hiker trash for life. Hiker trash trash trash. for life. you can't be (laughs) once you're hiker trash you're always hiker trash that's just the way it is is there a chance we'll get some follow-up books from your future hiking endeavors? I am actually working on the prequel to Hiker Trash right now um, about our journey through Southeast Asia. And I'm hoping to make a Hiker Trash 2 Life on the Te Araroa coming, coming 2016. I don't know if they'd have the hiker trash term in New Zealand. They may, I don't know, it might be something else. I we're going we're, to bring them hiker trash. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna call ourselves hiker trash, whether they like it or not. If they don't now, they will have they, it. They soon. will, yes. Or hiker, tramper, hiker trash, tramper trash. Tramper trash mate. <laughs> we'll see. I think that's Australian. It might be. Tramper is a term they use for hiker. Yeah. yeah they're th- they're through tramping. It's through tramping. tramping. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I haven't heard that one yet. Now I've become a big fan of audiobooks on the trail. Can we look forward to an audiobook version of Hiker Trash at some point? That is a work in progress. At least in progress in that I'm looking for a good microphone to accomplish that goal. So yes, <laughs> we will try to do that because we think it'd be there's a lot of people that might enjoy it. So when when I get it done, would you like to be one of the first to take it for a test drive? Sure, absolutely. Yes. Okay, then absolutely we'll we'll, we'll we're going to bust that out. All right. Any, anything I can do to encourage that to happen. <laughs> So when you get to Oregon and we're out on the trail doing trail magic and you pop by and we're like, hey, are you hiker trash now? Well, we'll have, we'll have to see then. We'll have to see then, won't we? That's a, that's a long ways away. I'm not going to try to predict where my <laughs> mind is going to be at and what changes I will have experienced by then. I'm trying to hit the trail with as open of a mind as I can. I think that's the best way to do it, honestly. That is the best way. You have the right attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I certainly identify with the people that I know who identify as hiker trash i wouldn't dream of considering myself to be any superior or in any way any different than people who use the word hiker trash it's purely a a, a semantic hang-up that i have that i'm, that I'm working on I'm, I'm working on it you'll actually understand the definition more once you do the trail mm-hmm. i think you'll come to recognize what that uh, honestly you'll, you'll it'll be your own definition but i think you'll understand it better once you do it you'll just you know there'll be i think you'll, there'll be a moment of epiphany you're going to go Aha! That's what I expect. I appreciate the... There's just a certain level of humility that seems to be a part of it for a lot of people. And I'm, yeah, I really appreciate that quality in, in folks and mm-hmm. like to uh, uh, try to keep myself humble as best I'm able. And uh, so I'm, 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 I'm working on embracing the word. This, uh, this conversation is, is helping. It's, you know, baby steps in that direction. Right. <laughs> the Pacific Crest Trails are going to ruin you in the best possible way. Any uh, last-minute advice for a first-time thru-hiker like myself? This is going to sound so cliche, but hike your own hike. People people have been asking me about their gear and their schedules, and I love looking over them with people, but at the end of the day, I can tell you what shoes to wear, but you know what your feet are. And, I mean, it's not even just gear. It's if you're waking up and you're having a, a... a bad day, hike your own hike. Don't hike 20 miles. Hike five and see how you feel tomorrow. And I mean, be forgiving, I think, on yourself 
a lot is a big one. I think a lot of people just have this, and I was that way. I had our schedule and I was all about the schedule almost until Oregon before I realized it. You know, if you wake up and every day you're just putting one foot in front of another, even if it's not what you were hoping for that day, you're still working towards that final goal. Yeah, just, you know, just do the best you can do and just keep an open mind. I mean, we always joke the trail will provide, but, you know, I mean, things will happen. You meet people, you'll have experiences, and that's why you're there. So I wouldn't, you know. Enjoy it. It's awesome. Yeah, just enjoy it and know that there's going to be pain. Know there's going to be all those different things. And if you expect it, then it won't be a surprise. You won't be disappointed. And the beauty will blow you out of the water. That's just more beauty that you can deal with at any given moment. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. You're thanks better. for coming to Ben. Yeah, thanks oh. for coming to Ben. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah. Have, uh, have fun finishing up the PCT this summer and... Best of luck on your uh, New Zealand trek. And we'll we'll be out there with a cooler full of beer and soda. Yeah, so when you make at it some through. point when you're headed through Oregon, you'll probably see us out there. All yeah. Right. Well, Enjoy your trek. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. Well, thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. And that's it for this special hiker trash-themed episode of Trailside Radio. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. I'd like to thank Renee Patrick, Colby Kirk, Aaron and Carl Miller, as well as all the folks behind the scenes who've been helping me get things together for my through hike. I've got three weeks to go before I'll be in Southern California beginning my through hike of the Pacific Crest Trail. I hope you all will join me and listen along. I'll be putting out weekly episodes every Tuesday. You can find them at trailsideradio.com or download them on iTunes. Spring is upon us, and I hope you all are making the most of it. I'll be talking to you again in two more weeks. Trailside Radio, over and out.